Hello and welcome to this episode of Navigating the Waters, where we're joined as always by our host, the CEO and founder of River VC, the fabulous Stephanie McKinney. Stephanie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. I'm really excited about today's show because I know we've also got another fabulous guest. Yes, I would like to introduce Gina Martin. She has come on Navigating the Waters. She's a certified life and leadership coach for high achieving women. And she talks a lot about mental health, fitness, how to build that. Uh, she's also a founder of her Gina Martin Coaching. She's a speaker. She's an energy leadership facilitator. I'm very delighted to welcome Gina. Thank you for coming. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me, Stephanie and Kim as well. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yes. Well, I would love to start by hearing your journey on you know, how you became the entrepreneur you are today. Sure. Well, I'll try to give you the short version. <laughs> um, I'll tell you a little bit about me. Um, really exciting. I, um, you know, I be, I came to this country when I was uh, when I was about to turn eighteen and and started, you know, uh, just going after the American dream, right? So throughout my my experience, I have you know been an entrepreneur a couple of times in the past. And then I kind of fell into retail leadership where I spent the last 20 years um, leading teams of up to 600 people and working for awesome companies such as uh, Victoria's Secret, Gap, um, and Guest Inc. And, you know, my passion for people development and for just seeing people, you know, uh, shine and get promoted and, and just reaching their dreams is what got me started into um, my coaching business. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I've been in my coaching business for a little bit over three years now, but I've been actually coaching people for over 20 years. And to me, is just, you know, my passion to help high achieving women just design the lifestyle they always dreamed of, you know, and a lot of times, um, you know, we hold ourselves back from achieving the success that we deserve. And a lot of that is self, you know, self-inflicted. A lot of it is about overcoming, you know, this self-sabotaging habits, increasing your confidence and just feeling empowered to take massive action, right? To be able to create your dreams. Um, and that's, you know, that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. But like I said, my passion is just really helping individuals reach their goals. That's incredible. I love that you honed in on a specific person. You honed in on the high achieving women. And then what was the main characteristic that you saw throughout all the women that you have coached? Do you know, um, it's it's almost like sometimes you coach a little bit of who you are <laughs> because you've been there, right? You've done that and you're going through all the growing pains. And the thing about high achievers, first, you know, what excites me the most is that there's a certain level of self-accountability. There's a certain level of, you know, drive in high achieving women, right? Um but there's also that that lack of self-empathy and self-compassion. And we usually hold ourselves accountable even higher than other people, right? And we're always, you know, feel like we have to be proving 
our seat at the table, proving ourselves, proving that we deserve that seat at the table. Um, and for me, it's just really about helping women realize how awesome they are and how, you know, just who they are is good enough. You don't have to constantly prove yourself. I love that. That's so true because we do, don't we? We do hold ourselves to higher account than we probably would uh, anybody else. And you know, I, I read somewhere that um, women uh, women apply for a job two years after they're ready and men apply for a job two years before they're ready. And that's because we look at all the things that we can't do yet and they look at all the things that they can do already. And neither one of them is, is right or wrong. It's just interesting that the, that's the way, from a psychology point of view, we have a tendency to be. And therefore, you know, with, with a lot of high-achieving women, they'll tell you about what they can't do yet mm -hmm. rather than acknowledge themselves for the things that they can do already and that can be so tiring can't it when you when you're beating yourself up like that it is you know and and you know unfortunately it is what causes a lot of stress um but it also holds us back from really achieving great things in life because women women itself they're so powerful right like you know, think about it. Most of us are uh, mothers, are entrepreneurs, are leaders, are leading ourselves, leading our families, friends, and, and we play so many more roles than men do, right? Um, and we really hold ourselves back from achieving success and for putting ourselves out there. And at times that causes us to, you know, um, get paid less, right? Um, even even when you're an entrepreneur and, you know, I find a lot of my women friends have a hard time stating their price and stating their worth and setting the right prices for their practices because of the fact that we don't feel confident enough. You know, we feel like, you know, I'm not there yet or I don't have the experience yet. And, you know, like you mentioned, Kim, you know, men, you know, don't think that way, right? They're like, I know what I can do and, and I'll get there and I'll prove it. And, you know, I think for me, there's nothing better than when I can help a woman just feel confident about her skills, her abilities and about everything they bring to the table so they can really get pay and have they, the success they deserve. Exactly. What they deserve and what they think they deserve doesn't always align. So how do you overcome that, that DNA, that biological feeling that most women have that we're, we're not ready there, we're not, you know, we can't name our price yet? How do you coach them into building up that courage? You know, it's it's all about building behaviors and you cannot break all behaviors in, in a one coaching session or, you know, one week of doing work, right? So it does require work because, you know, sometimes we're breaking behaviors and habits that we had all the way since childhood, right? At some point in our childhood, um, and this is awesome, I'll tell you a little bit more about the work I do around mental fitness, but at some point in our childhood, something happened that trigger, you know, who we are, right? Trigger the tendencies we have in our personalities. And some of us have been living that way for 30, 40 years, you know, so to think that we can break those behaviors now, you know, it takes a lot of effort. And, and it really all starts, I'm going to say, the first thing that starts with is self-awareness. I think that you have to have some certain level of self-awareness. So a lot of the, the work I do with my clients at the beginning of our relationship is I use assessments. So I have a couple of assessments that I do um, 
because you have to become self-aware first as to what are those tendencies, what are the triggers, you know, what are the things that you're tolerating or not in your life. Um, so that will be the first step. And then the second step, step is really about deciding what you want to change, right? I know that my clients have all their answers within themselves, and it is my job to empower them to find those answers those answers by really asking, you know, some really rich, open-ended questions that get them really thinking about, okay, now that I have this self-awareness, what are the things I need to change in order to make the shift necessary? And then third, it's just really about action, right? Because yes, 70% of what we do is awareness, but maybe 30% requires the design action, you know, so once we set the action steps that, you know, will require to get you there is about, you know, holding space for the client, helping them with self-accountability and with whatever accountability they need from me to ensure that those habits, you know, become their new life. I love that. It really is about helping people um, holding their hand as they, as they move through, because we do, don't we? We, we think that we talk in the truth. And the reality is we talk in a truth, something that we've made true of ourselves. <clears throat> and when we understand that with work and with help, we can actually change that truth to be one that better serves us. And all of it really drives around our mental fitness, because every every one of us has got mental fitness. It's just levels of that fitness, isn't it? So can you tell us a little bit more about what is mental fitness? Yeah, you're right on point because, you know, yes, we all have mental fitness, right? Um, it's almost like, think about going to the gym, right? So like if I wanted to build my biceps, right, or my core, I will probably be doing a lot of reps, right? Go to the gym and do a lot of reps. And the thing with mental fitness is that we teach you how to do this small exercises every day, right? So that you can grow the mental muscle and that part of the brain that really generates, you know, the positive reactions. Because the way we operate every day, it's almost like in a survival mode, right? Our brain is just wired, right? To respond in survival mode. Um, and especially if you think about the last two years, it's been a lot about surviving, right? So surviving in our business, in, in our health, in our mental health. Um, so we are, we're wired to just be on survival mode. And with mental fitness, what we do is, I, you know, I teach you how to do the small exercises, of course, along with the awareness piece, right? So we're, we're bringing in the awareness piece around triggers, around self-sabotage, you know, sabotaging behaviors. And then, you know, we do these small exercises to build the mental muscles um, and to really start training your brain to responding from that side of the brain, that part of the brain that really generates um, creativity, generates action, generates innovation, and helps you respond from a more clear, calm and collected perspective so that you can then minimize, you know, the stress and then increase your productivity, improve your, your well-being, improve your behavior, your relationships as well. I love that. It's so, it's so important, isn't it? Because I see it a lot, even, even in my little, little girl, um, those moments where, you know, we get overwhelmed, don't we, where, where the emotion takes over. 
And you know, we know that uh, neuroscientifically proven, our emotional brain responds 24 times faster than our thinking brain. So no matter how rational we think we are, the fact is whatever happens, we're, we're immediately into how it's making us feel um, and getting those coping mechanisms are so vital, aren't they, to, to give us a chance to be able to regain control and to um, re, um, take those actions, to, to feel more in control. So why is it important, do you think, to, to really develop that mental fitness and those techniques to help you with it? You know, I think when you think about even, you know, the the place we are in, right, where we are noticing mental health, right, as, as a, a rising topic and people acknowledging that mental health, you know, it's important It's part of, you know, now practices at the workplaces and a lot of corporations are adapting, adapting that, you know, um, on a professional level, the importance of increasing your mental, mental fitness really is to help you become a better leader, um, is to help you become a better entrepreneur um, and even increase your productivity and results. And the reason for that is because when you think a lot about, you know, in a professional space, you know, the being a leader requires, you know, a lot of empathy. Um, it requires, you know, making it safe for people to come and bring you ideas it requires, um, you know, your ability to kind of create this environment where people feel safe, they feel included, and they feel like their opinion counts. And, you know, if you're not working on yourself and your mental fitness, and you're not training your brain to, to come from that positive space versus that reactive space, you're not going to be the right leader. You're not going to be the right entrepreneur. You're not going to be able to really service your clients, right? So it requires, a, you know, that certain level of kind of like being in the flow, I like to call it. You know, and the same thing for your personal, you know, life and, and your, your relationships, you know, being able to understand that, you know, there's a principle that says everyone is 10% right, <laughs> you know, and a lot of the conflict that we have with others and that we can create for ourselves is because we always think we're right, you know, and we're always like, oh, no, I don't like that idea, you know, or whatever, or we don't understand where they're coming from. And, you know, developing your mental fitness allows you to really step back and say, you know, you know, Kim, I think that's a great idea. And I will add this as opposed to saying, no, that's not going to work. I think this is better, you know, and just to, the shift on those, uh, you know, on, on that dynamic, it's going to help you, you know, improve your relationships a big time. So, and I think the last thing is just for your own inner peace, you know, just think about your own health. I think most of the C's and most of, of uh, you know, illnesses come from stress. If you really think about it, you know, your body is just holding on to stress, which then manifests in either a call or either, you know, more serious illnesses. So being able to work on your mental state, on your mental health and your mental fitness allows you to release some of the energy that could cause, you know, that could come and be bottled up through stress. Um, so it just allows you to really release that um, and just operate from that, that state of flow. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and having that state of flow 
early on as an entrepreneur will help you continue to grow and like you said build those relationships and make sure that they have the same foundations and you're out there putting yourself out there and in the right mindset and the right flow and the right energy and then that will attract the people that want to work with you the people that want to invest in you and what you're doing so i love that that state of flow that you just said that that being mentally serene having that tenacity but still having that tendency to to question all and and to make sure that your relationships are authentic and and synergizing that's incredible i love that that mental fitness aspect that you bring to your coaching yeah and you know i'm i will say too when you mention entrepreneurs is the importance of being in that state in order for you to be creative, you know, and a lot of what you do when you're an entrepreneur is you have to be so creative, no matter what business you're in, right? You have to be able to tap into that creativity. And if you've ever been in a place where you find yourself at your desk and you're just like beating yourself in the head, right? Like you're just like, I just can't get it. You know, I can't, I can't finish this project. I can't finish, you know, whatever, you know, a lot of times is because, you know, you've been going, 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 and you haven't allowed yourself the space. And, you know, if you if you look back and you think of Einstein, if you think of, you know, even um, Steve Jobs, they used to allow themselves the space to step back, relax, walk away, so that they were able to really you know, gen, you know, just ignite that part of the brain that, you know, helps you with creativity. So it's really, really important um, to have that mental ability so that you're able to give yourself this space um, and increase your creativity. Exactly. I think for me, when I when I have that, that headache moment, that overwhelming moment, I think I, I turn to music. I'll turn, I'll push pause on everything. I'll turn on some music and I'll usually I'll get up and dance or just release all that tension. I know a lot of people like to go on walks. I learn, uh, read a book or just do something, read a quote that makes you regain that composure, be back in the flow of things and understand. Kim, is that the same for you? Is, is music your go-to? Um, mine really depends. So often, very often it is music and it will be like dance around the kitchen or, or go and do something. But but I think it's that it's giving yourself that moment of pause. And I think they call it um, positive procrastination. And somebody taught me uh, a technique uh, a few years ago. And it's going to sound really crazy. You're both going to think I'm a real weirdo. But <laughs> it works. Uh, when you have that moment, you sat there, you go, I can't think of the answer. I can't think of the answer. What, you, what they suggest that you do is get a book and you write it to yourself as a question what it is that you're trying to do. So, you know, I, I can't think what the product is. I can't think what the brand name is. I can't think what I want to post on social media. It doesn't matter what it is. Write it as a question, close the book and go and do something entirely different mm. because your subconscious brain will start to work on the answer for you. And the reason why you pose it as a question is because when you come back and you ask it yourself, you read it out, your subconscious starts to give you all the answers. You're like, <laughs> where did they come from why could I not get that when I was banging my head against this door <laughs> an hour ago um, so I think it's trusting isn't it that you that taking a moment of pause is actually not avoiding doing the work it's not actually being lazy or doing you know, or being counterproductive it actually is often the thing that's going to make you most productive because one of my other things is I'll go and cook um 
So <laughs> my neighbours love it because I turn up with like brownies and things because I'm like, actually, it was therapeutic about just standing there and stirring and not having to think too much for, for a moment. Exactly. That simple but effective way to just regain your composure is music, cooking. I, I like that, that book one. I'm definitely going to have to try that because all the time I'm just like, what do I do here? What do I write about this? And then it just goes overwhelming and it, it happens like too many at one time as well. So just maybe writing one down and then going and coming back and manifesting what to do with that. That's incredible. And I love that. But Gina, I mean, you you um, specialize in helping women to actually find ways to overcome this overwhelm, to find those tricks and techniques within which we can regain that composure because in, in the moment, you don't feel very composed. <laughs> you kind of like they're going, oh, I don't know how to do this. And the deadline's coming of the school run or something else is happening where you're like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to get it done. How, what can you help us with to, as techniques to, to find alternate routes through that? You know, it's funny you said that because I actually have some clients where uh, their to do their to do list is so it's like a never ending to do list, and sometimes I actually have to take things off their list, <laughs> help them take things off their list. <clears throat> but I think you said something key. You know, both of you said something pretty important, right? Is about identifying what works for you. You know, so first, when it comes to being in the moment of overwhelm or in the moment where the answers are not coming to you, is to find the strategy, right? That helps you shift. And what I do with my clients is I, I help them create kind of like a success formula. That's what I like to call it. And we create a few strategies because it's not a one size fits all, right? Some of us love meditating or journaling or taking a walk or listening to music like Stephanie, right? Or cooking, like you mentioned, Kim. So I think it's really about identifying what are some of the things that you can do to help you kind of regain that composure you talked about. Um, so just having kind of like a go-to that will help you. And there's a couple of strategies that I, I teach my clients around. It's almost like centering. I'm sure you've heard of that practice before. But there are small two-minute and five-minute exercises that I help them do that um, helps ignite, ignite um, that, uh, that shift in their brain. So I, you know, I can tell you, I could show you more about that at, at a later time. But it's just really about finding something to focus on for either two minutes or five minutes. And it could be as simple as just taking a deep breath and planting your feet on the floor and just taking that deep breath again and just falling into your seat and allowing your body to just fill the space you're in and just breathing and observing your breathing. And that could be one strategy that you do for about two minutes. I have others that I could, you know, um, share with you as well, but just finding those little strategies to help you get, regain that composure and, and, you know, get back into your own self. Sometimes, you know, we're just running around like crazy maniacs and we forget even to check in and see how we're feeling, right? So allowing yourself to do this will enable you to identify what's happening and what's triggering. And the other piece when it comes to, you know, what are some of the strategies you do when you have so much and so many priorities? You know, I'm a big fan of 
streamlining your focuses. And, you know, this goes a lot for entrepreneurs as well. I think as entrepreneurs, we have all of this list mm -hmm. of things that we want to do and we want to accomplish because, you know, a lot of times when you're a solopreneur, you're doing it all. <laughs> you're not at a place where you can hire someone yet and, and you got to play all, you know, wear all these hats, right? You're your marketer, your salesperson, your assistant, and you're doing it all. But what I find that I help my clients a lot with is just really about prioritizing and, you know, just creating yourself either that business plan or that strategy to say, okay, what are the things that I need to focus on that are going to give me the most buck for my money, right? They're going to give me the most value and just streamlining. And maybe it's about just having the three focuses. And yeah, there's going to be activities underneath those three focuses, right? But we're going to keep them really, really aligned. And then the second part is, you know, what are some of the things that I have to do, but that I can actually delegate? And you'll find that a lot of times, even if I'm working with someone that's a single mom or a stay-at-home mom, um, sometimes they have a hard time delegating some of the things or even asking for help, you know, asking for help from their spouse, from their older children, from their family, you know, so a lot of times it's just about teaching people how to ask for help, how to delegate, you know, once you are in a position where you can hire someone, right, to help you, it's just really about understanding what are the activities in your business where you're really shining and, and this is where you do your best work and, and what drives your business and what are the activities that you're getting caught on that you can probably just delegate that are not really, first of all, where you love to do, you know, so you're like, do I really need to do this again? Or, you know, things that maybe you're really picky about and you're spending too much time there and it's not allowing you to grow your business, you know, and get the results that you need. So I would say that, you know, I hope that answers your question, but, you know, that's, you know, some of the ways that are help my clients. Oh, absolutely. Being self-aware of what you're capable of, of what, you know, your limits are, and then what you need to, like you said, delegate to push off, like, a lot of the times founders, they want to do everything and they want to run their business. And we talked about this before, but getting yourself a, out of your business so your business can be able to run and to flow without you. And then a lot of times entrepreneurs don't know that that mindset switch from doing everything from janitor, janitor to CEO and then being able to delegate like, OK, I, I trust that person enough to to let them do it and I'm going to be mentally ready that. They can do it and let them do it. We're not hovering, not a helicopter parent, let them being able to do that. So that that mindset, I think, is a lot of um, importance to found to founders in the beginning and building their foundation for their company and their self and their mental awareness. I love that. It's so, so true. It reminds me of um, you know, somebody told me many years ago to have the do, delegate and dump list. So yep. what do you need to do? This is you at your very best. What can you delegate, even if you can't do it right now? What are the things where you go, I have to do this today, but the first person I'm going to hire is someone to do this tomorrow. But then also, what are the what are the dump? And it really, it really rang true, uh, Gina, when you were sharing with the fact that you know, people have too many things on their to-do list and, and they're desperately trying to get through them. And a lot of those probably just don't need doing. They've just been there because we've always done them, not because they actually add value to us, to our business or to, to our clients. So it all resonates so so much getting that 
getting that structure, getting those coping mechanisms. And I guess starting early to think if your plan is to be able to delegate this to somebody in the future, start to record your processes today, record yourself doing them so that when you are able to actually get someone in to come and do it, you can go, here you go, <laughs> this is what I'd like you to do. Instead of giving yourself an extra layer of overwhelm that says I've now recruited somebody and now I'm overwhelmed as to how I train them because I think that can also be a challenge can't it oh absolutely that's a great point yeah it is uh the onboarding process because sometimes we hire someone and you know Stephanie you did say it's like okay what are some of the things you can let go right and and stop I like when you said helicopter parent I love that one <laughs> But, you know, uh, the onboarding process of a new hire when you're an entrepreneur could be, you know, a very, uh, you know, ta you know, very taxing task. Right. And like you said, Kim, if you start to record how to do something, <clears throat> it would definitely help you set up for success. Because what I've seen happen with some entrepreneurs is that they hire someone and then they go, I can't believe, you know, they're just not performing at the level or they're just not good enough or, you know, I have to do it myself if I want it right, right? Um, and a lot of that could be prevented if we actually have done due diligence of, you know, onboarding the person the right way with the right expectations um, so that we can then say, okay, I'm ready to just let the task go because they're ready to go. So yeah, you bring up a great point, Kim. Thank you. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that's really hard, isn't it? Because at the time, yeah, when you're doing it, you're like, I've really got time to do this as well. Or, you know, I've, I've been, I do this for, for clients, but I've been doing it for myself recently, where you go on and you record yourself doing something, you feel really stupid. Because <laughs> you're like there talking to yourself, pointing at the screen. Um, but actually, in the long run, that creates that kind of onboarding piece and allows you to get those people on board. So I think sometimes it's getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, isn't it? It is. That's perfect. And, and what you guys are, what you're doing with your mindset coaching, I would love to have you back on so we can dive a little bit more into your, your program. Because I think a lot of people would benefit from the tips and, and tricks that you have, especially building that foundation as an entrepreneur, as a founder, being able to have that good mindset, that good, um, like what you said, when you go to the gym, that repetition, that continuous repetition of finding out what your triggers are, finding out how to combat them and the good mental state. So I would love to have you on as another guest in another episode. But thank you so much, Gina, for coming and showing us what you're doing with your your coaching your leadership with your mental fitness that is a key component that i really want all of the listeners to have is that that mental fitness that ability to figure out where you are so then you can switch from building your company to asking for investments i know that triggers a lot of people they don't want to do that so having that good tools in the toolbox would help them so thank you so much gina for coming on kim thank you again so much yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I cannot wait to continue to listen to your wonderful podcast. And thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you, Gina. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care.